it's about that community. It's about creating a community that works within an organization, like the communities that work outside the organizations in our, in our personal lives. It needs to reflect that. And we need to be able to create a culture where that thrives and people's opinions are, are, are valid. Welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today I am joined by Phil Hogarth. Now Phil has a phenomenal career uh, having been CEO for Communisys and President for OSG Europe. His career spans many blue chip organizations across the world and EMEA. Um, we're going to be talking to Phil today about his journey of how he came to be where he is today, as well as some of the, 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 the real passion points for his within the diversity and inclusion spectrum, social mobility, um, parenthood, uh, and also why he is so passionate about really driving forth action uh, as well as being vocal uh, when it comes to all aspects of the diversity, inclusion, belonging and equity spectrum. Welcome to the show, Phil. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Great to see you. Thanks so much for being here. And it is it is wonderful to have you on the show because I know that we've been trying to capture you for a little while <laughs> uh, to be here. But, <laughs> um, but uh, Talk to us a little bit about how you how you came to to be in not only the present role as CEO of Communisys and President for OSG Europe, but also um, you know the, the journey thus far. Because there's a number of reasons why you're you're personally passionate about business for good as well as the employee experience. I wonder was this a planned journey? Was it something uh, that that happened almost serendipitously? Yeah, and, and I'd, like I say, I'd love to say that it was planned and well thought out in my early life, and and I'm and I'm living to those firm plans. But that would be um, that that would be a, a complete lie, unfortunately. I think, you know, I, I I'm from a, a very northern working class family, the first of the family to go to university, actually. Um, you know, mother and classical mother and father. Father was a was a craftsman. Um, mother gave up work to look after a family at home. Um, unfortunately, mother was ill for quite a lot of my quite a lot of my childhood, which meant that my father, in an era where it wasn't really acceptable, um, was having to hold down a full time job. You know, five six days a week, um, look after a, a sick wife, and also be father mother to a child at school and things like that. Um, and and so seeing how he navigated that in a in, like I say in a backdrop where that wasn't the norm certainly wasn't really acceptable in a workplace to be having to balance those things, um, but reflecting on what a great childhood I still had as a result of that sort of I think really set the foundations for for me and as to what's part of my focus now and and how I've sort of lived my life. Um, as I sort of mentioned, first one that went to university. I'm actually an engineer by trade. Um, you know, which none of my career has sort of spanned any of those uh, spaces. So much to my parents' dismay as I left university to go and pursue other things outside of my engineering degree, 
I, I, I sort of found myself in, in the BPO space, you know, global BPO organizations, running operations, love the cut and thrust of, of an ever-changing environment. And, and that was really my first, I suppose, real exposure to cultural differences, people from different backgrounds, because I was living, working, traveling all around the world you know, Africa, Europe, Asia, um, North America, and, and just meeting people of different backgrounds, different beliefs, different cultures. And that really was just such an exciting melting pot for me as to people's different views on things. And, and, I, and I joined that BPO industry really as a, as a temporary part-time thing. But I say that the just the vast change and different influences that brought meant I've spent the last 20 years really in that BPO space and, and only really recently moved into, into a very, I say a very different, a slightly different industry really, more manufacturing based, marketing based, where I'm at now from a community standpoint. But I think that that's been a, a really, the one thing that's run through all of those journeys is, is change and and cultural differences it's the one thing that really that i've really enjoyed throughout all of those all of those experiences and and and, and so i'm here now at communities um embarking on a, another transformational journey you know taking an organization from what's been classically manufacturing and point of sale distribution into the sort of the digital era and and, and trying to bring a much more inclusive and diverse workforce and, and and bringing the colleagues along on a journey of, of of change and adaptation and growth really you know that's kind of where i'm where i'm at today um you know we we talked earlier on around you mentioned parenthood you know it's a one of the as i sort of mentioned around my childhood that you know as i as i've got older i've you know had a family and um and i find myself in the situation uh, now where I'm effectively a single parent who co-parents, um, you know, I have my children one week on, one week off. Um, and so for one week, I am, you know, CEO, I'm father, I'm bedtime story reader, I'm, you know, knee wiper, cooker, <laughs> um, school run activist, um, all while trying to, you know, run a, you know, a large organisation and transform a large organisation. So. Um, some of the reasons, you know, why we, why I wanted to sign up communities to the, to the pledge is, you know, partly I want to make sure that all the colleagues in our organization have a say and understand their part in the business. I think that's vitally important that the businesses that we operate and run and service are a true reflection of the communities and world that we serve. And that not only do we have a diverse workforce, but they feel like they have a voice and a say in how we operate as an organization and the, and the way that we go about doing our business. Um, but I want to make sure as well that we create an environment where people can be themselves and not be afraid to say, I have a life outside of work and I need to find some balance in that. You know, it's, I struggle now as CEO sometimes to find that balance. And so, it, you know, if I find it difficult being the one who can set the agendas and set these structures for an organization, how hard is it for all the colleagues around the organization to be able to do it in their own, in their own way? 
you know whether that be as as a as a true usual normal family unit of, of two individuals or whether that's whether that's like myself as a as a single parent or a co-parent organization how do we help really create an environment where all of those things can be taken in consideration and the business gets what it needs but the colleagues and the employees around the world feel like that they get what they need and that's that's really that's really important for me to be able to do that you know I didn't have that early in my career I didn't feel I was empowered to have those conversations and so that's probably what's led me ultimately to be a single co-parent you know I, I put work before family and that's led me to where I'm at today and I don't want anybody to feel that that there's a choice that needs to be made I think there's a I think there is a balance that can be struck and I think that comes from leaders across the world creating an environment where that is the case and people can be empowered to have those conversations so it's 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 hugely personal hugely important to me that we'd be able to create create those sort of work atmospheres um yeah very 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 as you can probably tell you know as a as a northern guy it's it's difficult to talk sometimes about these sort of things it's not the norm for a a northern lad from the northeast of England to to talk about things, but it's it's hugely important and hugely a passion of mine to be able to create that sort of environment for everybody. So I love your open, candid nature, and as a fellow northerner, um, I, I knew already that we'd end up getting on <laughs> like a a house on 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 fire. Um, but it, it's really, I mean, it's really touching actually to hear about your openness, in particular with some of the early days of, of you know, of childhood that, that, that you had. And I know that, that hard work, resilient nature, you know, we're speaking already here to, to what is upward social mobility. And, yeah. you know, it, it's modest of you to kind of talk about some of the, the corporate world with, you know, the, the, the present role. I know you've worked for, for Capital before, but these are, you know, multi, multi-million uh, pound organizations and, um, and and some might say you know BPO industry outsourcing um, you know not saying it's not sexy at all as well as manufacturing but ultimately there is this injection needed of openness honesty candor in order to bring these types of industries in particular into the modern digital world which as you rightly say when it comes to engagement and uh, the you know the employee uh, you know life cycle now that we're in with more than you know what is it kind of five generations in the workplace this is needed now so much more than ever before and one of my questions which you kind of answered actually in a way is 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 how much the the personal life affected the leader that you are now today clearly vulnerability uh, which you're you're demonstrating in in spades which which i think is really great to see it's it seems to be something that we're we're requiring more and more. Not only is you know employees and organisations wanting to see our, our leaders speak up and put their heads above the parapet, but also in the external community, be it kind of ESG, uh, be it uh, you know governance stakeholders and, and customers even that want to see true authenticity, uh, quote unquote, in 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 their their leadership team. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's it's often overused, but authenticity was exactly what I was thinking before you said it. It's it's bringing your whole self to work for me. You know, it's the person that you are at home should be the person that you are at work. Um, 
you know, you shouldn't be afraid to bring any of yourself to work or, or, or feel that you have to hide any of that. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, 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 the business leader that I am today is, is absolutely driven by those foundations of family life when I was growing up. You know, what's important to me um, now is as, a, is as a result of that foundation and the mistakes that I've made throughout my career, right? You know, none of us are, none of us are perfect. I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, the way I've gone about it is the ideal, the ideal world. The one, the one thing that I pass on to my children regularly is for them to be themselves, um, be themselves now, be themselves at school and to take that through their career. I think if it's the one piece of advice I can give to them, you know, and, and you know, you almost want people to learn from your own mistakes and, and, and do things better. That would be, that would be it. You know, don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to, 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 to be who you are and who you really want to be. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there was an interesting, there's a, there's a quote that I always really like, and I think it fits with everything, which was, um, I think it was um, Confucius that said it, life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. And I just think that that sums up human nature in everything, personal lives, business lives. Um, and if we can just break it down into its simple forms, I think everything that we're trying to achieve could be so much so much better and so much easier to achieve if we just think that way. Human nature is we like to make things complicated, though, unfortunately, don't we? <laughs> It's definitely the engineer in you kind of wanting to solve these problems, I think, from the sounds of things. But I, I'd love to, I mean, I'd love to pick further, actually, if I may, into some of the other, you know, the, the background and the journey, mm. in particular for, 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 for be youngsters, be aspiring leaders who are wanting to be CEO or, or in, in kind of leadership. So I know that you had, you've done a lot of work in, in the hotel trade as well, haven't you, in, in kind of early life? It was, yeah. it was not planned, but is there, you know, would you say there's kind of, there's a defined route specifically and with the, the hard working nature of your family, do you think that, do you think that led in part to, to your, you know, almost sounds a bit like workaholicism which again I, I, I I've, I've been there myself and, and and like you say you try to not you know you learn from the mistakes you want to pass those on but but is there more around uh, around this you know th th this side of things yeah I mean I think um, you're right I, I mean you know if I look back before I got into corporate life yeah you know restaurants and hotels I you know I I, I I worked at a, a college for autistic adults for a couple of years. And, and I think that was really that piece between I've done engineering for six or seven years through college and university and now realised that's not, you know, not, it doesn't give me the buzz that I needed to do. And I think some of the next couple of years was around me sort of, I think it was a little bit about me finding out about me as a person and what made me tick. I think the engineering route, just the way my mind works, was just an easy an easy way through education if I'm honest it was the path of least resistance as opposed to something that really I really could see myself going into and then I think yeah the, the next few years was around just trying to understand that um about what what made me tick as a person and I think what what I what I what I felt was rather than rather than me rather than it being driven by industry or that that, that sort of made me excited change and transformation and growth were really the three 
common things that if I look back at everything I've done, organizations where I've enjoyed it have always had those elements to it. So developing businesses, growing businesses, transforming, you know, whether it be when I started out in basic operations in BPO, you know, and I had a very limited remit, that remit always involves growing, fixing, developing, you know, challenging the status quo, really. Um, and that, so that's been the common theme throughout, I guess. BPO just happened to be a space that has that in spades on a very, you know, on a, it's so fast paced. Um, and it's, it, something's changing and evolving and developing and growing almost on a daily basis. Um, you either, and it's probably one of those industries where you either, you either thrive or, or, or die pretty qu quickly. You know, it, it's very quick. Um, and so that's, I think that's where, that's why I found a home there for so long was it just met all of my personal needs, I think. Um, I think, you know, if I was my, if I was to give some advice to people is, is don't be, don't be scared to make that change. You know, don't, you know, I, I, I found myself for a couple of years wondering exactly what I wanted to do, but I think taking that leap of faith in myself that you would find something that fits how you operate as a person, how your brain functions, what gets you out of bed with a spring in your step in the morning, just have, don't be afraid to make that change. It doesn't matter how far along in your career you are is, I think if you believe in yourself, the right thing will will come along. Um, and it, that's certainly always been always been the case to me. None of my none of my changes have been planned. I've seen an opportunity to enhance further my personal challenge of change and things like that. And I've and, I, and I've gone with it, whichever, which regardless of what route that's taken me on. Quite frankly. Um, I must be a, I'm a nightmare at school um, careers events that I get asked to do sometimes, um, you know, because I, I haven't gone through that classical training and, and, and then into the role that I was trained to do and, and have progressed in that way. I've kind of zigzagged my way through to where I am today based on what excites me more than a, a sort of stepped plan of, of I want to be that in 20 or 30 years time and I want to be a doctor or an engineer or a solicitor or a lawyer or whatever it might be um, and that's ultimately what's driven me really. You're a glutton for punishment then. I, yeah I am I, 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 I thrive on I love change I absolutely love change and that's what gets me really excited and that's what you know that's what brought me to the community to the point where it's been you know a, a PLC for 10, 12 years in a classical manufacturing space, in a, in, a, in a space where we're moving ever more digital and ever more solutions based um, in terms of what we need to do. So the opportunity to come in and take that organisation on the next stage of its journey and, and sort of set out a, a new culture for our colleagues and a new direction for the business and really sort of... Um, transform the underpinnings of the organization so that it's here in 10 15 20 years regardless of whether i'm still in the chair or not um really excites me you know hugely exciting um and it's been a it's been a fantastic 12 14 months um since joining um one of the great things that we've got here is a fantastic set of people who seem to be embracing the change and 
and really running with it. Um, so it's now not just about me and, and my direct reports. The, the whole organisation is really sort of grasping it and wanting to be part of it, which is fantastic to see. Absolutely fantastic. I've seen with a lot of PLCs and other large global organisations that, to use your terminology, thrive or die in an environment that is so ultimately volatile, uncertain and, and ever changing, in particular with all of the, the, the digital uh, world and, and, and future generations of leaders that you spoke to briefly there. Now, I wonder if we can move into talking a little bit about employee experience, because I know this is one of your, your real areas of, of passion and, and certainly yeah. something that I'm I'm guessing you brought in abundance into this role, because I know that it was one of your, uh, your, your hallmarks of success back at Capita with one of the big projects that you did did uh, there around the I think it was 150 million revenue a year um, business piece and it was all around employee satisfaction uh, across the group um, but but talk to us a little bit about the needs of employees and how you've seen this start to evolve so I think that feeds nicely into the the juxtaposition of change in in the external marketplace and and, and talent yeah I mean, if you look back you know, twenty odd years ago and and beyond, I think it was it was thought of and sort of widely perceived that all anybody really wanted was a job security, nine to five, paying their thing, and 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 to think that they had a job for uh, you know the next 10, 20, 30 years. Um, that that's changed so much over the last twenty years since I've been there. To the point, you know, we all know now how how super competitive the job market is and 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 people are no longer people are prepared to take a hit in sometimes in salaries now to join an organization where the culture fits what they what what is important to them you know so that they feel like it's just it, the whole the whole job market and the whole business landscape now has gone much further than I just want a good wage and I want to be paid what I think I'm worth. It's gone much more to be like, I want to be treated as an individual. I want my, I want my thoughts and my, and my um, perceptions to be taken into account. I want to feel part of something more than just that, you know, classical cog in a, you know, cog in a machine really. Um, and I think those organizations that are really thriving on that are ones that are creating a culture where everybody in the organization really feels like they've got a voice and a say um, and can add value beyond just clocking in and clocking out at the end of the day. And I think that's, has anyone really grasped it? No, I think, you know, the, the big tech businesses of the Googles and, and, and the Amazons and the Facebooks sort of, with a with a touch paper for it, I think around that, you know, that there's a different way of engaging employees. There are different ways of bringing them into office spaces. There are different ways for them to sort of to merge that work life social balance in a different way. But I think nobody's really nobody really has grasped it and delivered on the perfect solution yet. Um, I think we're we're all still, you know, large corporations are still stuck in the old ways of doing things, trying to figure out how do they change the organization's cultures to start to enable it. Um, and and where, where, where I've seen it work 
really well. You know, we, like you say, you know, we create an organization within Capita where, you know, we didn't have the highest paid employees. Uh, we didn't have the best office locations. But we, what we did have was a, was a great feeling of community within that organization. And that manifested itself in some of the best uh, employee MPS in Capita, but also in any organizations I'd seen before. And that was just built out of creating a community. You know, like I say, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have pool tables and slides in our offices and we didn't have nice, you know, half the time they weren't even nicely decorated and they had leaks and they were very underinvested. But what we created was a, a purpose for our people beyond the, the fabric of the buildings that they were working in um, that made them feel valued and, and part of a, an organization that they, that they had a say in. Um, and I think, you know, that's, if there's one thing that I want to create as a legacy for communities is to be able to create something similar where all of our colleagues feel part of not just a business, but a community where, you know, where we're creating an environment for growth and success for our people and the communities that we surround, as well as our shareholders and, and our owner structure, you know, it's kind of that purpose beyond profit piece, right? And how do you bring that to life for the colleagues? Um, and that that's what certainly, you know, myself and, and Ricky, who I know you've met, um, who sort of, who, who has the grandiose title of sort of, of diversity inclusion, but really that's about him helping challenge the organization to make sure we are doing that we're not just about profit we're not just about serving our customers but it's about how do we serve our colleagues how do we serve the communities that we're that we uh, that we're that we're surrounded by because in, inevitably that drives ultimately what businesses need which is profitable growth happy clients all of those good things that make us a a a a a long-standing and longevity in terms of the business side of things is driven by our core assets, which is our people, right? So um, and, and that's why it's so important to me. Um, it's why I get so passionate about it, as, as you and I have discovered as we've been talking through. It resonates such a lot. I mean, and this is, I mean, this, this is the perfect situation, ultimately, is purpose before profit, yet also everyone wins. Now, if I am to be a little provocative, if I may, for those kind of, you know, naysayers as were who might be listening and th thinking, yeah, well, that's the perfect situation. We all want to have purpose here. Um, and we want to make sure that that become, comes before profit. But when you've got limited budgets, the million dollar question is how, how did you do this in capita and how are you doing it in communities to build what is this you know loyal following of, of brilliant people that are there because they care so much about the organization so that's that's the dream right it is and, and look there's there's no silver bullet to this right you know and, and you know for anyone who's worked in 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 the type of industry i'm in now and certainly bpo you know margins are not um not the greatest in those industries so uh, a high abundance of cash to make to throw at these things it, it, it is not it isn't there and, and, and nor will it ever be um and but i think i think that's the great thing about the sort of the the, the the approach to this is 
it's not about throwing money at things. It's just about treating people with the sort of respect that they deserve, right? Um, we in an old I used to have an old boss that used that used to say to me, never treat anyone in your organization like you wouldn't treat your nana. Uh, and for those who are not northern, nana is a grandmother in, in, in um and which I always I always reflected on, but if you bail if you boil it down, you know, when you think about how you were with how you are with your grandma and your grandparents, you know, you treat them with love and respect that they deserve as as an organ. But but actually, you you want them to be part of the family, and actually, what you're trying, what we're trying to create in an organisation, I think that's that is successful, is the feeling that it's not, you know, it's not an it's beyond employees and it's employed colleagues. It's it, it. I go back to this trying to create a feeling of community, a feeling of wanting to be part of something that is greater than. The perceived nine to five that you are contracted to do what what are we contracted to do in that nine to five period or whatever period of time that you're contracted to do is making them feel that, they, that there's a purpose beyond just that for them and that they can have a say and a and, a, and an impact beyond that day-to-day -day nine to five um and it, it's it's not driven by money it's driven by good leadership and that's not that's not my good leadership. That's the managers throughout the organisation leading by example and and dra drawing people into and making people feel like they want to be part of the solution. Right? Um, as I mentioned before, we're in a we're in a large transformation piece here at Communisys, and what we be what we're trying to do is rather than people feel like it's been changes being done to them that they're part of deciding what that change is and how we go about doing it. So we can set the vision and strategy of where we want to get to. And yes, we've all got ideas about how we want to get there, but actually involving everybody in that, you know, and how do we, how do we, how do we, how do we think global and act local is, you know, how do we get everybody as part of that? That's what really drives that that culture and that community once you've cracked that nut that then is what drives to the mps scores of people feeling like they want to be part of the organization and then the peripherals around the outside of things that we'd all love to do and you know put better breakout areas in and make the car parks easier to do all of those things really become a really become an issue because they don't feel part of something bigger so as soon as you fix the feeling part of something bigger, the other things, which is where you need the spare cash to make things better, suddenly aren't as important. And therefore, people aren't looking to leave for the next 50 pence an hour. Or it, So that finding that balance of work-life balance, part of the answer, not, you know, not being told what to do, that's how... I believe you drive that community and drive that piece. It's not about cash. It's not about money. None of the organizations I've worked in have had free flow and cash just throughout these things, which has been done through the people and the managers um, living it on a day-to-day -day basis. And it takes time. It, this is not an overnight thing. This is, you know, months and years of, of seeing stuff, acting it out, 
been seen to be living by those values and suddenly people start to understand that it's not just rhetoric. Um, and so I'd love to say, you know, there's a silver bullet that will fix it overnight, but there isn't. It's just perseverance and and, and, and good managers within the organisation that believe in it as well. Uh, and people then just seeing it and believe and then starting to believe it. Because <laughs> we're all sceptics, right, at heart? <laughs> 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 we've all we've well, all been there we've all heard it and we've all yeah. oh here we go there's another one <laughs> <laughs> try not to be a northern cynic here phil um i'm trying trying not to but i again i'm like i've got to be able to disagree with phil on something so i'm here nodding along going absolutely <laughs> this is absolutely it and it is it's you know it's like you know culture is living it's breathing it's sleeping it uh, you know, it's like diversity and inclusion and belonging and equity and all of the other peripheral things that span off uh, those different areas. Because, of course, there's, there's lots of diversities within diversities within diversities. And people say, well, you know, how, how come fix the diversity issue that we have? And I always say, well, it's not, you know, it's not an issue. It is something that, first of all, we want to live and breathe and sleep and, and eat it and, and make it part of the culture. Yeah. But we would never come in and say, hey, do you know what? That's the solution. Um, sticky plaster on, off we go. Actually, it's a, it's a constantly evolving journey uh, that we are forever on a lifelong journey of learning that we... Absolutely. You, you, the, the, you and I can't sit here hand on heart and say that there's an end, there's an end state. Because that, that, that end state will always be moved back. You know, you'll reach a point and then there'll be, there'll be more to do. There'll be more things to, to drive forward. Um, it just, it, it does, it's an interesting concept that everyone just thinks that we get, we get a few different genders, we get a few different backgrounds together and, and you know, we get a, then everything's solved. We, I've, I've, I've fulfilled my diversity inclusion piece because look i've got some i've got some women over here and i've got some people from different ethnic backgrounds over there and 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 haven't we done a great job um and it's and it's not about that for me it's just about and i keep going i keep using the, the term it's about that community it's about creating a community that works within an organization like the communities that work outside the organizations in our in our personal lives it needs to reflect that and we need to be able to create a culture where that thrives and is and and people's opinions are are, are valid and you're right no organization can come in and fix that overnight that is a journey of little little tiny steps and little bites of the cake to, to start and get the momentum. And then as the momentum goes, then you really start and see some large step changes. But getting that, getting that little snowball at the top of the hill moving is a bloody tricky feat often, you know, because you're fighting against scepticism, you're fighting against, oh God, you know, different person, same rubbish coming out of their mouth. You know, let's, you know, the proof is in the pudding, all that. So you've got to really get through all of that. So it, it does start slowly, but I think, once you get the momentum, actually, at that point, it really does gather in, in pace and speed then in an organisation. Um, it, it's just the, 
it's having the will to start start pushing and fight through those early stages of you know distrust and skepticism to then really start and make an impact you just got to go through it snowball effect is a great analogy and that is very much well I think it feeds in perfectly actually to to the CEO activist quote unquote and obviously thrilled absolutely thrilled that you have been one of our first signatories to to sign the pledge but reason being and and, and those that are listening reason being you know around this snowball analogy and and starting at the top is it is proven I'm not saying um, so often get this oh you're saying that you know grassroots is not as important not saying that, saying um, that when we see visibly our leaders as CEOs and other executives who are, you know, day after day putting their head above the parapet and, and rightly so should be held accountable. Ultimately, the trickle effect is far, far quicker when you're rolling that snowball off the top of the mountain. And it's not about the, the level necessarily of seniority, but ultimately it is about the effect that that then has and this you know the trickle effect that we often call it that safe space driving that feeling of of being able to truly speak out if your your boss your line manager whoever you might be within an organization is not being quite as open or or candid or or vulnerable uh, or or wants to sit there and say everything is perfect as opposed to actually hey I've had these personal struggles when I was you know younger and so on and so forth well um, it is that safe bubble and capsule almost that is just then populating the rest of the organization you can just see how much it flourishes and it thrives and people feel they can relate to that and that's you know that's great as well when it comes to well the s from esg ultimately um externally too yeah absolutely um and you know to to the phrase you used that authentic leadership i think that's that's where the authenticity comes from, is, 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 is that people in the organisation can see you as a human being, not a figurehead. Um, and that you're vulnerable and that you have your weaknesses and, you know, your foibles. And, 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 but the, I think the, the key thing to getting people to truly believe into it is that they see you believe in. Otherwise, it's, it's doomed to fail. You know, I could put a... I could put a load of initiatives out into an organisation, but if I don't believe in it truly myself, or at least don't believe in the way that we're doing it, it's never, it's just never going to get its traction because it doesn't come across as authentic. It just comes across as he's another, he's another corporate rollout from someone who won't be here in 10 years time or five years time or whatever, Um, you know, we'll wait for somebody else to come around. They'll have a different idea and, 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 and you just move on. So you end up just stagnated as an organisation because nobody believes in it, right? Because ultimately, in reality, the person at the top doesn't believe in it. And that's where the authentic leadership comes in. Got to really believe in what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then everybody else slowly starts to see, okay, this, you know, this has got legs because this person and the people around him living and breathing it and really really want it to happen oh I, I can get on board with that you know I, I believe in it myself um I've been part of the journey you know again back to the point of bringing the colleagues in on some of those how do we bring it to life how do we get it there what do we need to do that that's what gets that snowball moving right 
um, and but keeps it going. You know, if this sort of thing should go on long after long after I leave, right? This culture shouldn't just be driven by one individual. It should be there regardless of whether me, my management team, whoever leaves. It should be something that just becomes part of the DNA of the organisation. It's that lasting legacy for future generations of, of leaders, uh, to your point. And, and, and Phil, honestly, you've articulated it so well. And um, I know you earlier said, you know, authenticity. And I, I, again, I agree, authenticity is a word that is completely overused. But the true, true authenticity of living, breathing, speaking, doing those uh, values that that we talk about so much and, and being truly accountable, whilst also um, knowing that the you know, we, you know, all of us are fallible, you know, no one is perfect. And that, that is what people relate to is, you know, often the, you know, the trip ups and the failures, um, you know, more often even than, than the wins, because they know that that is, that is true and that is ultimately real. But that, you know, to, to what, what's made all of us what we are today, we're all just a byproduct of the failures that we've made throughout life, right? <laughs> you know, it's just how you how you react and respond to those, right? Um, you know, for anyone to for anyone to to feel like they've got to hide that that that's the bit that needs addressing, right? Because we're all only the way we are now because of the failures that our parents have made and we've made, and and that's that's how we evolve and, and learn. And what we try and do is make sure our children don't make some of the ones that, that we've done and they'll make their own. But that's that's how people and society and businesses evolve. You know, we need to embrace that and not be not be afraid to share it and 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 see it as a positive thing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I I knew when we started talking that the only issue would be running out of time <laughs> and that we may need to put in part two to discuss more around um, other subjects around CEO activism, employee engagement and, and social mobility, which have been some of the many rich subjects that we have covered today. And I'll do my best to do a quick summary here. But I'm like, oh my goodness, where do I start? I love Northerners uh, is what I'll say. I love Northerners. I love the candid honesty and, and vulnerability that, that you brought, some of the learning lessons that I have had, um, you know, certainly I was about to, you know, embark on a journey of parenthood myself, are, are how to find this balance or, um, you know, again, a no balance, you know, perhaps sometimes a, a twee word, but having that capability to, to prioritize ultimately is some of the things that I've really learned from this podcast, um, you know, being able to, to, to speak up and, and deal with some of those struggles and, and learn from, from life lessons, because truly being open uh, within an environment that, you know, ultimately we spend more time uh, at than we do with our friends, family and loved ones. It is critical uh, that we take the learnings from personal life into business and back the other way, because there is, you know, a, a far more unique juxtaposition between the two than there once was 10, 20 years ago. This is a fast paced and, and, and modern, modern world. 
particularly loved the pieces that we we discussed around engagement. I think that's something that all leaders, organizations can certainly take from. Um, and again, one that resonated a lot with me, you know, especially when I think of early, early businesses that I've started and, and, and run broken holes in the wall thinking, yes, made it into this, this kind of, um, you know, into, into an office, into a real space that we're paying rent <laughs> on. Um, you know, like you talked about, Phil, I just, um, you know, that being able to create that sense of camaraderie between people and that there is a greater purpose beyond ultimately profit. And that is, you know, that you know the solution focus that I think um you know many many can take but um you know to your point it's not a it's not a one silver bullet situation nor will it ever be this is a, a growing uh, living breathing sleeping thing um and my favorite quote which I mean goodness this has got to go into go into a, a, a quote um perhaps as our, our teaser um is never treat anyone in your organization as you would as well as your nana I think it was, or words to those effect. I think that's yeah. just a, a fantastic one there. So thank you so much for that, Phil. And my name is Leila Mackenzie-Gallis. You've been listening to Diverse Inclusive Leaders podcast with Phil Hogarth from Communisys. Uh, if you've been affected by anything from today's show, do make sure you check out the show notes or you reach out to one of the team. You can find us on Apple Podcasts on the Dar Global Network app in the App Store. And we'll put all of the learning links in there from, you know, so you can get in touch and follow Phil uh, on LinkedIn or, or, or one of the other social profiles. Uh, or you can re-listen at your leisure accessibility as well um, if you'd like to view the transcripts uh, that's no problem at all uh, but until next week thank you so much and and take care for now